0: and song and Lord we pray for anybody who's here who perhaps doesn't know you Lord that you would just open their hearts as we just look to your word and Lord you would just um, allow them to understand your love and your grace for them Lord and so Father we just thank you we love you and we pray in Jesus name Amen Yes, guys turn the lights on? We have paid the electric bill I think I want to speak to you on why the cross offends man. You know, back in the 80s um, on the Saturday Evening Post uh, cover was a painting of Norman Rockwell that uh, showed a woman buying a Thanksgiving turkey. And the turkey was on the scale and the butcher was behind the stand, the counter, and the woman was about 60 years old and she was standing in front of the counter and when you looked at it, you really didn't see anything suspicious but then Rockwell focused in on their hands and you had the butcher thumb pressing down on the scale and she was in front lower with her fingers pushing up. (laughs) You see, both of them would have resented to be called thieves but um, neither of them saw anything wrong with little deception this is the picture of mankind before God always playing his games always being able to explain justify or to excuse or to point fingers but man has a very hard difficult time to say God I'm guilty before you I'm totally guilty before you let me um give you some reasons why the message of the cross offends man if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ we pray that your heart would be open our motivation is not to offend you our motivation is that God would open your eyes to see your need of Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to let you know that he died because he loves you not because he hates you And in that love, he's made provisions for you to be able to be forgiven for all your sins and to give eternal life to you. And maybe as I go through some of these reasons, you will be able to um, confirm because they go through your own mind at one time or another. But the first reason the message of the gospel of the cross offends is because the message of the cross declares every person guilty before God. That to the natural mind is very offensive because we compare ourselves among ourselves, so we end up not being wise. And when we do choose somebody, of course we're going to choose someone that's worse than us. We're not dumb enough to pick someone worse, you know, better than us because then we look bad. So we know that our choosing has to be with cunningness. All inherited sin from Adam. Romans 5:12 says, uh, "Death, sin entered in by one man; death by sin, and it passed to all men." And so therefore, if you don't believe in sin and it's a Christian invention, you have to explain to me why men and women die. My Bible tells me they die because of sin. And then prior to death, you have to explain to me if there's no such thing as sin, why do people lie? Why do people steal? Let me ask you, why did you lock your car up in the parking lot? If man is good, leave the keys on him. They'll bring it back. (laughs) right all are under the uh, sin nature and power of sin nature Um, that sin nature runs deep and it runs very powerful genesis 6 5 says that the heart of man was deceitful and uh, continually um, depraved um, from a child as soon as um, man is born he begins to manifest that of course as a baby you don't do it articulately with words or force actions and that. But in the very selfishness, um, a baby declares its sinful nature. Um, stop and think about it. Mom's only gotten half hour sleep in the whole two days. And the baby could care less if it's three in the morning. If the baby is wet or the baby is hungry, the baby will just cry all night long until you get up and thank God that God gives us babies without teeth unable to walk with bad coordination because if that baby could walk and coordinate he'd get out of his crib straddle your neck and mess yourself up because he's only concerned about his needs now they're legitimate needs but it's just the point all fall short of the glory of God Romans 3.23 says so that means that We fall short of what God's standard is Which is perfection Regardless of how moral you think you are Regardless of how good you think you are You fail at least a thousand times a day From the minute we get up, we blow it If not in word or deed, certainly in thought Or in the heart Every one of us a witness of that whether we're Christian or non-Christian. It's like trying to jump from Newport Beach to Hawaii if you say that you can measure up to God's standard. Now some of you may be young and sturdy and be able to jump out pretty far into the Pacific Ocean but you'll still be shy of Hawaii. <laughs> You can get up in the balcony and you might get to the fourth or fifth row, but you're never going to make it to the stage. That's the picture of man, shy, short of the glory of God. So no one qualifies to be in heaven. No one can meet the standard to be in heaven. All are lost and depraved. That's very hard. A lot of you are young here tonight. As you've been taught in school, the schools and the teachers and the educators tell you that you are basically good. Let me ask you a question. Did your mom and dad have to um, sit you down one day at seven years of age and say, Listen, I've got to teach you how to lie. I've got to teach you how to steal. I've got to teach you how to to be mean to people no they had to constantly teach you not to do those things it came natural and the older you get the more refined you get everything around us shows us that we're sinners that our heart is evil and yet some of you maybe don't know the Lord say why should I be blamed for Adam's failure since you said that sin and death came through Adam well you have the same choice now you don't have to remain the way you are as a result of sin you can partake of the tree that now can give you eternal life so you can't blame Adam anymore you can't gripe about Adam and before you die God will give you at least one chance to respond to the gospel maybe more but at least one chance so no one's without excuse you might say why should God blame me for what he made me to be and many people are using that argument especially with homosexuality God didn't make you homosexual God didn't make you a fornicator God didn't make you a drunk God didn't make you a liar to say that God made you that is to corrupt the creation of God. What we see today is a result of man's rebellion against God in the fall. But even by nature, we are without excuse," the Bible says. We know the corruption of the natural order, male and female. Animals can't have babies unless there's a male or female If they try to hook up the other way, that's the extinction of that species Simple And that's exactly what's happening all over the world The population of the world is decreasing Not alone by homosexuality, I don't imply that, but by abortion by telling you the world's overpopulated, well you can fit the entire world in Texas. Every person in the world. Even still today. Go into the internet, divide up the land area. I know we don't all want to live in Texas. I know that not every square mile is livable, but it's possible. If you feel a little crowded, take another state. The rest of the world's all empty. So you have abortion. You have the indoctrination of our population. You have birth control. You have euthanasia. And now you have homosexuality that can't reproduce. So every nation in the world is under the recovery rate. The only nation that is just barely above recovery rate is the United States. Therefore, our problem in the next 20 years is not going to be A lack of resources because of the ability to have resources. It's the lack of people to bring forth the resources. Not enough people. What a great life Satan has put into the world, huh? Incredible. Second reason. The gospel on the cross, the message of fence, is because the message of the cross reveals the only righteousness God accepts. You can't present anything before God. Faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ is the only thing God accepts. In Romans 1 16 through 17 it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And from that point on, he expounds Jesus Christ from every angle. No one else. Faith in Christ as our substitute, imparting His righteousness to us. So what He did, we get the claim. If we believe who He said He was—God, who became man, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who atoned for the sins of the world—and so that's the only thing I can present for my acceptance before God. Nothing else will do. Second Corinthians five twenty-one. He made Him sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Read the entire book of Hebrews. It's the Leviticus of the New Testament. It interprets everything as all a type of Christ. He is the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. He, is, um, he was wounded for our transgressions, for our iniquities, Isaiah 53. We're also told that faith in God's righteousness standard. Um... It's sufficient to live a life of godliness in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 4. So once I believe that if I claim Jesus Christ and call upon his name and he changes me, transforms me as we'll see as we move along. Then now I have the ability to live the life of God, not to perfection, not sinlessness, but I can hit the mark now. My life will not be now a habitual habit of practicing sin the way I used to live. There will be a very line of demarcation between my BC days before Christ and my days after Christ. Different as night and day. Man cannot accept or be accepted by God until that takes place. You know, an officer one time well, back in the <clears throat> in the south, he's an old sheriff, he was under an oak tree and just kicking back and enjoying the day and, and he's overlooking some highway and the highway just went down in a deep, steep thing, and it came to a T in the road and a lot of eighteen wheelers are come by and all that. So he's watching it to see if anybody blows the stop sign. And this young kid comes by chasing running in his car, just racing along, and he comes down to the T and he looks left, he looks right, nobody's coming, so he just blows the stop sign, right? So the old good old boy sheriff takes off after him, pulls him over. He pulls him over and he's sitting there and the sheriff gets out and he, and he knocks on his window. He says, Got a license, boy? Yes, sir. Let me see it. He looks at it. He says, You know what you just did? He says, um, What? I, I I I looked to the right. I looked to the left. And since no one was coming... I figure I'd just slow down. He says, get out of the car. Got kind of scared. He gets out of the car. He grabs him in a headlock. He takes his baton out and begins to beat his head with it. And he says, now, do you want me to slow down or stop? <laughs> you see, some people think that God has called him to slow down and sin. No, he has given us the ability to Stop living for sin by the power of his gospel through the new creation through his grace but you may still say but I'm not as bad as other people well who are you comparing yourself to you're supposed to be comparing yourself to God you ready for the standard? perfection you want to stand up so we can laugh? no one meets it no one at all you say well I've never committed any great sins you know those biggies just that you're born into this world is enough to damn you you're a sinner you have sin nature and as you grow and begin to develop as a child into a young boy or girl it starts being, being manifested more and more and more You may say, I try to do what's right. That's good. But God doesn't say, just do your best and I'll take care of the rest. That's not how you get into heaven. You get into heaven because you agree that you can't make it on your own, that you can't present nothing for God to accept you as you are. You really have to come to God on the basis of what somebody else has done for you, the person of Jesus Christ. But a third reason is because the message of the cross proclaims access to God only in one person and by one person. And so this offends many religious people. Um, There's no other name whereby men must be saved, Acts 4.12 says. And yet men and their religions, their philosophies will offer many other ways, many names. You know, some follow Buddha, some follow Krishna, some follow whatever, you fill in the blank. Some believe in reincarnation, others in evolution, others in that. And everybody has their own nifty little religious worldview. And so when the gospel comes by and says there's only one name that God accepts that infuriates our society, especially today. Once again, all you young people, you go to school. You know what is taught. Some of you in the universities, you know how adamant they are against Christianity. You can believe in a rock and they'll think you're just a, a brilliant person but you tell them that you believe in Jesus Christ and they will crucify you today. The greatest animosity is the universities today and now it's the public square. There's no other person that can bring us to God, the Father. Jesus said he was the only way in John fourteen six. So, really, Jesus goes against everything the world says, everything the world believes. The way to heaven through the words of Jesus is very, very narrow. The world says it's broad. Jesus says the broad way leads to hell, the narrow way leads to heaven. And we have to make a choice whether we believe the world's message or the message of Jesus Christ. You can't have it both ways, you can't interpret the scriptures subjectively, the Bible is objective truth, absolute clear truth, right or wrong, but also that there's no other person who can intercede for you and that's a go between two people, intercede between God and man, the man Christ Jesus and so he's the one who died for our sins so he's the one who's been glorified and sits at the right hand of the father so he's the one that's making intercession for those who call upon God in the name of Jesus Christ and so you can't get to the father unless you come through the son and you can't have the father unless you have the son (laughs) you get the father through the son you get the son you have them both you come to the father without the son you get neither one of them and you have no access to heaven So we have to come the way the Bible tells us, not the way we choose to come to God. It would be like believing that um, to get to the L.A. airport, you can just take any freeway. You go, how do you get to L.A.? Ah, just get on the freeway, you'll get there. Well, who would believe that? And yet we believe that for eternity. For heaven to escape hell. You say, well, I don't believe in hell. Oh, man, Satan really likes you. (laughs) He would love you to believe that there's no hell. You better read the Bible. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. Because hell's a real place. Now, hell... And the lake of fire was not made for anybody, any person. It was made for Satan and his angels, particularly the lake of fire. God made heaven for mankind if they would repent. Hell right now is a place of punishment. The lake of fire is the eternal abode of those who get sentenced for their sins and the rejection of Jesus Christ at the end of the thousand years. And so all these things have to be considered... Do we believe God or do we believe man? You, you can't have both when they contradict. So some say that's a very narrow way. Others say that this excludes and condemns every religion and person. That's right. And so men get offended, especially today. But the message has never changed, ladies and gentlemen. The message that I'm giving you was the one that Peter preached in the day of Pentecost. The world has changed over to the left. Our nation has moved way far left. I've been born again for about 42 years. I have not moved. The world has moved left. And the more they they go left, the more extreme I sound. (laughs) But I haven't moved. I haven't changed. It's the same message. Which demonstrates... The world's animosity against God, the scriptures, the truth about heaven and hell. Some will even say that there are other people who are closer to God than Jesus Christ, which is totally ludicrous. He's God himself, the Son of God. Fourth reason is because the message of the cross is foolishness of the mind of man. Um possessing the power of God to save the gospel 1 Corinthians 1.18 nothing but the gospel has the power to communicate your lostness and to illuminate and convict you of your sin and to enable you to respond to God but he will not respond for you he does not force you to go to heaven that's the choice you make as he turns that light on for you to see yourself as you are. To justify it, to forgive you. It reveals the wisdom of God that you may know God. If the world by wisdom could know God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, 1 Corinthians 1 tells us. If those guys up in the, uh, at, at Golgotha when they're nailing the two thieves and Jesus to the cross, if they could have by their own intellectual wisdom say, hey, don't mess with them, that's God. If they would have been able to conclude he was God, they wouldn't have gotten near him. Are you kidding me? If they would have been able to conclude that, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the gospel message reveals the wisdom of God for you to know God. No math book can do that. No science book can do that. No philosophy book can do that. No study of anthropology can do that. Geology, oceanography, every other ology. It points you away from God. But also, it proclaims that God will judge all men one day. And that is absolutely offensive to the world today. We are living proof this last ten years Mostly the last six and a half years. How we are being destroyed and strangled by the political correctness of not judging anyone for anything. So much that our society now is petrified of what they're saying. They look around before they say anything. Wow. Afraid of authority, power. Authorities Do a little history on Hitler And what happened in Germany The exact same thing At first it was, ah, it'll go away But then it got thicker and thicker By the time it hit, it was too late A direct parallel People say, ah, oh, never in America What? Never say never. If someone would have told you that the Berlin Wall would have been removed in 1989, just a month before it was, you would have said, You're crazy. There's no way. But it was. There was no way anybody could have predicted that. The only way you and I can be forgiven of our sins is through Jesus Christ. As foolish as it may seem, as difficult as it may be for man to accept that, it is the absolute truth. And when people take a step towards that direction and trust God for it, it happens just like that Berlin wall. Everything comes down. As foolish as it may seem, it makes no difference, and you come to know God. But the fifth reason is because the message of the cross calls for all to repent from sin, to turn away from sin. Repentance means to change your mind, want to change your heart. You agree with God that sin is sin, that sin is against Him. You consecrate your life to Him and you commit your life to Him to trust and depend upon Him, dying to self every day as you get into the Word of God. So you confess, you acknowledge your sin, you abandon it as you confess it. And now you're living for Jesus Christ as you yield your life for Him to live through you. And that's the grace of God. The prophets always call the people to repent because the people got so corrupt. In fact, the last prophet, Malachi, he preached repentance in view of the present life of sin and that time in view of the Lord's return. John the Baptist opens the New Testament with the words of Malachi, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Even though there was 400 years between the last prophet and the first prophet of the New Testament. See, repentance is the consistent message of Salvation. John the Baptist preached it, as I said. He was the cousin of Jesus. Jesus preached it. The disciples preached it. You go through the book of Acts. It's never changed. It's never altered. Which is one thing that you have to judge wherever you go to church. Is the message from the pulpit the cross of Jesus Christ, or is this something else? If the cross is not the central message of that pulpit and that church then they're doing a disservice to Jesus Christ. There is no other good news apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. If the church is just entertaining people, telling nice nifty little stories, having all kinds of activities, nifty little plays, nifty little video things, but the focus is not the cross of Jesus Christ and repentance from sin. Then it's not the Church of Jesus Christ, it's the church from hell. Christ must be the center. Not man, not good works, not entertainment. Not teaching people how to be happy. You ever Peter did Peter say that at Pentecost? Let me tell you guys how to be happy. How to feel good. We've culturalized the church. We've tainted the message. We've taken out the power of the gospel and put in man's plastic presentation of the gospel. There's a story of an old woman who uh, had acquired some wealth, special social prominence, and decided to write a book about her genealogy. The well-known author was engaged in the assignment But in his discovery, he realized that one of her grandfathers had been uh, a murderer and um, had been electrocuted at Sing Sing. So when he said this would have to be um, included in the book, the woman pleaded that he would find a way to say it in such a way that it would kind of hide the truth. (laughs) Once again, showing the heart of man. So when the book appeared, the incident read as follows, quote, One of her grandfathers occupied the chair of applied electricity in one of America's best-known institutions. He was very much attached to his position and literally died in the harness. That's man, isn't he? We just flower it up, don't we? Because we hate to say we're sinners headed for hell and we're enemies of God. Wow. some of you may say repent from what I've done nothing wrong and you actually believe that you're not lying to me because your mind has been indoctrinated with an amoral society no right no wrong in fact our society calls evil good and good evil they just have paraded The atrocities that happen in our society with Bruce Jenner. Hail him as a hero, courageous. While looking down at one of the greatest heroes in our history. One of the greatest snipers defending our country. One of you young ladies goes down the street here, gets an abortion, they'll applaud you. If you go out there and try to stop a woman from killing a baby, they'll throw you in jail. Evil's good and good's evil. If you don't think it's in America, you're smoking something. It's all around us. What gives you the ability to be able to discern and to make that judgment? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing less. So, all of you young people, you have to put down the mind of Christ. So you're not gobbled up by the indoctrination of this humanism and evil society. You see, the Chinese word for crises is a combination of symbols. One is danger, the other one opportunity. That's exactly what the message of the gospel is. It is an opportunity for danger and also for opportunity. It all depends how you decide. Danger if you reject the gospel because it condemns you and it damns you. And if you die without Jesus Christ, you're eternally lost. And it breaks the heart of God for you to be lost. Opportunity if you take the opportunity to accept and embrace the gospel and trust God for your salvation. And see him transform your life. Those are the two things that come through the gospel. Once again, some of you may not be old enough to remember old fly paper. How many still remember fly paper? (laughs) All right. It's a roll of paper you pull down and and, and you can catch flies, okay? And um, it may be true there are two sides of every question, but it's also true that there are two sides... To fly paper. And though it may not matter to you what side the glue is on, it matters much on what side the fly chooses. <laughs> if he chooses a side of glue, he's dead. If he chooses the other side, then he'll live to fly another day. And it's the same with the gospel how you choose will determine whether you will be in heaven. Eternally with Jesus Christ Or separated from Him Anybody who would give you any other hope Is a deceiver and a liar And so you have to consider your life Whether you want to live separated from God Or with Jesus Christ And it all depends whether you believe the gospel That Jesus who is God became man Died for your sin, rose from the dead And He sits at the right hand of the Father ready to make intercession for you. And if you call upon his name, you shall be saved and he will forgive you for all your sins and give to you eternal life and give you a new divine nature able to live your life to the glory of God. Never sinless, never perfect, but you will be able to hit the stinking mark. You will fail at times because we still have sin nature, but we don't have to be slaves to that sin nature any longer that comes by grace through faith that not of ourselves, but is the gift of God and so here I like the fly which side of the fly paper do I want to choose choose carefully your eternity is a stake nothing less Father, thank you for your grace, your love, your goodness. Pray, Lord, you deal with our hearts, and we thank you for just the privilege of being able to minister your word. We pray for those that are here that do not know you, Lord, and those over the Internet. We pray that you would speak to their heart how much you love them and how you want to save them, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, that their mind would not be distracted or persuaded and dissuaded by Satan or their own flesh. But they would trust you for what you've made known to them even now. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. A change of heart with a change of mind through His grace. The people ask Peter, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent. And turn to Jesus Christ and he will give to eternal life. To you, your children, and as many as are far off. The message has never changed. The way to come to Christ has never changed. The result has never changed. Nothing has changed. If you want to accept Christ Jesus, this is your prayer. Not to us, but to Him. You can repeat this and ask Him right now. And He's going to save you right where you sit. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. For all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision, there's a brother to my right, your left here. They're going to close with some music. Before you leave, go right over there. They're going to give you a Bible absolutely free. Share some important thing for your girls. And encourage you to find a church to fellowship, get in the word, and start growing. If you didn't accept and you want to accept, and go right over there. They'll lead you to sinner's prayer. But don't leave here the same way you came in. Saying, we we'll would love nothing better than for you to be lost and to perish for eternity. God wants to save you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Again, this song is a salvation celebration song. It is called From the Day. Um, It was so awesome to be here with you guys tonight. I hope you had just an awesome and blessed and enjoyable evening. And uh, guys, we've been here twice. Surely we are coming back again. Um, So we're... (laughs) Awesome. So we will be excited for that as well. And uh, until then... Um, we'll definitely be hanging out afterwards. We'd love to meet you, make some new friends while we're here. So God bless you guys. Have a great night.